Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here. Like we said earlier, man, we're just uh, excited about the opportunity to d- dive into God's Word. And we're in a series uh, called Urban Legends. And uh, Urban Legends is something that people think might be true, but it's not. You know, uh, and so last week we talked about, uh, you know, some things that, you know, people think, uh, hey, that might be true or it's in the Bible, but it's not. And so today... Uh, we're looking at one called God Wants Me to Be Happy, and I thought, you know what, this one is perfect for what we are going through as a nation and as a community, and I think it's, I think it's spot on, because you'll see as we unpack this today, because, you, know, you know, a lot of times whenever something happens, I feel like too often we miss an opportunity to, to kind of hit on what is current, what is relevant, but I believe you guys are going to see that today's message is relevant to everything that we're facing, everything that we're dealing with right now, and so... Urban legends, like I said, is something that somebody thinks might be, you know, real, but, it, you know, they don't, you know, there's really not a lot of truth in that. And like I said last week, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things out there like that. We're going to unpack a few more of these over the next couple of weeks. But today, God wants me to be happy. You know, and that, that sounds funny because uh, a lot of us, you know, we, we feel like, you know what, hey, God wants me to be happy. Uh, that's, that's not really what Scripture teaches us, and we're going to look at that today. And now, our parents may want us to be happy. Because we often want our kids to be happy, you know. Uh, we, we will say, hey, listen, well, whatever makes you happy, you know, that's what you ought to do. Well, that's not good advice. I think sometimes we, you know, people will tell you, you know, what are you going to do with your marriage? What are you going to do? Are you going to stay in that relationship? You know, and I mean, I don't know. Well, just do whatever makes you happy. Well, no, that's not good advice, right? But how many of you guys have heard people say that, right? Have you heard somebody say, hey, do whatever makes you happy? Well, why would we say that? You know, I think it's because we don't know what really happy is, and we don't understand the consequences and circumstances that follow that. But we'll often say, you just do whatever makes you happy. Instead of what maybe God has called you to do, or maybe, maybe even what you ought to do, or maybe even what is right. We don't do what's right, we do what makes us happy. You know, and, and so I want to kind of unpack this a little bit, but happiness, you know, oftentimes has a, a different mindset. Oftentimes you see people put their, uh, their toes in the sand and they take a picture of their feet or whatever and they say, hey, I'm in my happy place. I see some of you ladies smiling. You've probably done that. Hopefully, maybe you guys have done it. I don't know. That's kind of weird if you guys are doing it. But anyway, uh, so, but if you do that, you know, you say, hey, I'm in my happy place. Now, some of you guys may be sitting in a tree stand or on your boat or whatever and you say, hey, I'm in my happy place. I saw a friend of ours the other day posted, pop, propped his feet up on a, a thing of tires. He was at a racetrack. I'm in my happy place. And I thought, that's funny. And so here's the thing is we often think about our happy place. Hey, what makes me happy? And, and oftentimes it's just that. It's what? It's stuff. It's, it's circumstances or whatever. And so happiness is temporary. Some people will go to Disney. You know, and they'll, they'll be in Disney and they go, this is their happy place. And I do not understand that one at all. I don't know about you guys. But, uh, I mean, you're spending tons of money. There's people just everywhere. They're having to avoid all these baby strollers and everything. They're everywhere, you know. And uh, so I don't understand that one. But for a lot of people, that hey, that's their happy place. And it's what, hey, what, what makes me happy? So happiness. So happiness is temporary. Uh, it's, it's temporary things. And, and so you go to the beach and you're in your happy place, but it's what? It's over because you have to go back to work. Unless you live there. You know, and then you could, you know, you could go out there every day, I guess. So some of you guys may be looking at moving. I don't know. But I'm just saying, you know, your happy place is often temporary. Hey, I'm in my happy place. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I love to do. But you can't do it all the time. And you can't, you can't take that with you oftentimes. So it's often temporary. And then here's another. Happiness is conditional. It's conditional. You know, you can go to your happy place, whatever that might be. Maybe, you're, you know, for you, happiness is a new car. And you go, man, I love a new car. I love the smell of a new car. Anybody here like new car smell? Anybody in here ever bought new car smell and sprayed it in your old car? Anybody do that? Yeah, we have that one. Well, yeah, because we want that new car smell. 
You know, and then Febreze came in and kind of took over all of that. But the thing is, is we often want, uh, we want a new car. But that's, you know, that's tied to what? A lot of money. I can remember as a kid, man, I can remember thinking, how many of you guys watched uh, The Price is Right? Anybody watch Price is Right? What was the, what was what you kind of sat waiting on the edge of your seat almost every game show was you got a chance to win a new car, right? We'd get excited about that and be like, man. You know, in, in the game, you want to figure out, hey, pick the right numbers where it's the rear end of a car or the front end of a car. Get them both. You get a car, right? And I can remember thinking, man, I, you know, I think I could win that. You know, and, and then I can remember as a kid learning that one day those people have to pay taxes on that. Yep. Man, that was a bummer for me. You know, I can think, I can remember thinking, man, I'd love to win that car. You know, especially if it was a cool car or something like that or something really nice. But you, then you would hear stories where, hey, man, they went on this game show and they won this stuff, but they had to sell it to pay for the taxes on the other stuff that they won. Now, how many of you guys love taxes? Anybody in here? No, yeah, nobody likes taxes, right? But the thing is, is it, it will take the happy away. You know, it, I mean, there's things that can kind of kill that. So happiness is conditional. You know, it's happy if it goes your way. It's happy if it's what you want. And so happiness is conditional. Happiness is often based on circumstances and possessions. Happiness is based on circumstances and possessions. Hey, if everything's right, you know, it's like you, uh, you get out for spring break. Now, the kids are obviously going to get a little bit longer this year, but, you know, you get spring break, it rains every day. Man, you know, you know what? You thought it was going to be a great spring break, but, hey, it rained every day. All right, so it's based on the weather then, right? You know, or, you know and it's rained every day, it seems like, the whole year. It's nice to have some sunshine. Yesterday was incredible. Beautiful day, man. Love to be able to be out in the sun when you can be out in the sun. And so, so the thing is, is it's often tied to circumstances, the weather, you know, uh, money. Uh, you know, it's, it's high, happiness can be tied to those things and possessions if you have certain things. You know, and we often think, and we know this, this the law of, uh, or what they call it, it's uh, buyer's regret. We think, if I can just get that, I'll be happy. But y'all know that's not true, right? I mean, we, we'll, we'll say, if I could just get those shoes, I'll be happy. If I could just get that car, I'd be happy. If I could just get that house, I'd be happy. If I could get whatever it might be, whatever you think, if I could just get the newest one, the greatest one, the latest phone, if I could get that, I would be happy. And we know that's not true, right? It, 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 we just we accumulate these possessions. We've got all this stuff, and, and we think, well, you know, now I'm happy because I've got what I wanted. And I don't know how long that lasts for you. You know, maybe it lasts a long time. Maybe, you know, you, you get this one thing that you wanted and it lasts, you know, I don't know, man, maybe 30 seconds, or, you know, or 30 minutes or maybe 30 days or 30, yeah, I don't know. You know, but it depends on what it might be. And there's times whenever we have bought stuff and we get the possession that we thought we wanted and then we realize, you know, the car payment, oh, man, I don't want that. I didn't, I don't like that. And then we realize, you know what, hey, this is not all that I thought it was going to be. It didn't really make me happy. It's a possession. I can remember Laurie and I buying a car, and I've told this story many times. We bought a little Mazda 626, and uh, I traded in my truck, my Nissan, uh, 92 Nissan pickup that only had like $186 a month note on it, which was nice, and it only had like, you know, maybe 80,000 miles on it, got really good gas mileage, and, uh, and, and man, I, I traded that in on that little Mazda 626 that got decent gas mileage. It was okay. It wasn't great. It was all right. But it, it rode terrible, and man, if you were going down the road and you hit any kind of water, it's like it wanted to hydroplane and go everywhere, and it wasn't because of the tires, just car was light, and I can remember thinking, man, why in the world did we buy this thing? I'm telling you, we hadn't had it a week, and I hated it, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I gave up a truck that I really liked, and you're thinking, what, what was that about? So 
I thought it would make my wife happy. I thought it would make me happy, and it didn't do either one. She didn't like it either. So we didn't keep it long before I got rid of it. Anybody ever do something like that, have virus regret? Man, frustrating. But happiness is often based on circumstances. And here's the other thing I would say, too. Happiness can't stand up to challenges or to trouble. Man, trouble comes your way. You can lose a happy face in a hurry, right? Man, you're all happy, and it doesn't take much to, like I said, mess it up. Like I said, you can be at the pool all excited, and you hear one clap of thunder, and they say, hey, everybody out of the pool. And then the happiness on your kid's face goes away, right? And they're like, when can we get back in? You know, and how many of you guys remember this whenever you were growing up? Hey, uh, you got to wait 30 minutes after you eat before you can get back in. Anybody remember that? Golly, I got tortured with that. And so I'm sitting over there with a mean face on the whole 30 minutes and thinking, this really can't be true. And I don't think it is at all, you know. But anyway, so, so there's, there's things that can get in the way. So happiness can't stand up to trouble. It's quickly gone. It's quickly gone. You know, and I, the, let me tell you, I can make a lot of jokes about toilet paper with that right now, but I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. Because uh, this is, what we're dealing with is a serious thing. We all know that. It's a serious thing. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there, there's a, somebody said, hey, you know, it's not a joking matter. It's not, but there's some funny stuff going on. I'll just say that. All right, and I like to laugh. I'm going to tell you that too. You know, I enjoy laughing. La- you know, la- what is it, live, laugh, and love? I mean, I love those three things. So, so anyway, so let's look at this, this, this other thing. And I think we often kind of parallel these two. But what the Bible talks about is joy. It doesn't talk about happiness. It talks about joy. And so joy, we think happy and joy are the same, and they're synonymous with one another, but they're not. We think joy and happiness are the same, and I'm just telling you guys they're not. We're going to kind of unpack these today and, and let you see that they're not. So not, here's number one. Joy is not based on my circumstances. Joy is not based on my circumstances. Happiness is, but joy is not. And so look at what Paul says here in Corinthians. He says, we are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Man, I love that, that, that passage here. And what Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, you know, we're going through tough times. We, are, we have been close to death. We have almost died. If anybody understood that, it was Paul. But he said, man, we have joy. So it was not tied to his circumstances. You know, we, we've been close to death, been close to dying, but we still have joy. He says we, have been, we are ignored even though we are well known. What does that mean? We are ignored. There are people that don't want to hear the message of the gospel. There are people that don't want to hear what he is preaching and what he has to say. But they're well known because a lot of people say, hey, that's that guy that, you know, was persecuting the church. And now, all of a sudden, he is their biggest proponent. I mean, he is all about the church. He is all about Christ. He had an encounter with Christ. So he said, hey, listen, we're well known. Everybody knows that we're, our lives have been changed. But he said, we, we, we're ignored. That didn't stop him. Says we live close to death, but we are still alive. We've been beaten. Man, I mean, just all these things. We have almost died, but man, we're still kicking. We're still going. We're giving it our best. You know, there's there's often times, you know, that we we feel like, man, everything's got to be going just right for us to have joy, and that's not true at all. It's not tied to our circumstances. And Paul models that. He says we've been beaten, but we've not been killed. We've been beaten. But we have not been killed. We've taken a licking. We have taken a beating. You know, we, we have been abused, but we have not been killed. I'm still alive. There's still hope inside of me. 
there's still faith inside of me. There's still the message of the gospel inside of me. He said that I can't hold inside, that I've got to share it with someone. And, and, and whenever we're going through our darkest days and, and sometimes whenever we, you know, we, we see that, you know what, there, there's people that are hurting, they, they're in need, they need to see that, you know what, we've got something worth living for. Too often the world looks at us and they, they, they see that, you know, man, there's, there's just something about Christians and hopefully they see believers that are followers of Christ. But let me just say this. If you go back to the early church, the early church was being persecuted. They were being put to death. They were, I mean, they were literally, hey, you denounce it or you die. You know, all the things that we see in, in some of the, the torture uh, chambers and stuff like that, those were created for Christians. I don't know if you guys realize that. You know, they would, they would come up with new ways to torture Christians to get them to denounce Christ. And many of them would perish, dying, because they were like, you know what, I will not renounce Christ. My faith is in Him and Him alone. And He will see me through this. And He will save me in the end. I have eternal life through Christ. Nothing can take that away. Nothing can take away His love. And so we go back to the early church. And the early church was being persecuted. But the, but the blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. And what it was was people around were seeing these people tortured and, and destroyed. And, and often other people would say, Man, they're willing to die for something. And, and so they realized, hey, not only were they willing to die for it, they realized there must be something worth living for. And, and so people will look to see how we live. And, and so when we look back, Paul is saying, man, we have been beaten, but we have not been killed. And people saw that, you know what, they've been beaten, but they still believe. They've been beaten, but they still preach. They've been beaten, but they still serve. They've been beaten, but they keep going. And I think it's important for us to realize, you know what, we're going to run into things, but we can have joy in the middle of the darkest of days. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Man, there's things that grieve us. There's things that I see in the news, man, it just grieves my soul, it grieves my heart. But here's the thing, is I can still have joy in the midst of me grieving something. It grieves me to see what people do to children. It grieves me to see what people do when they abuse people. But you know what, I can still have joy because I know that my God is over all of that. And God, and God ministers to those who are in need. It says we are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. I love that. What he's saying, man, we don't have anything. But we give away the treasures of heaven. We give away the glory of God. We give hope. We give peace. We, we share those things that people need. I saw a quote this past week, and I don't even know if I can remember it quite, uh, quite well. But... And it may have been Jimi Hendrix, maybe I'm wrong, but it was a statement that said, you know, some people are so poor, the only thing they have is money. In other words, we think that money is what it's all about. And it's, it's so much more than that. And of course, if you know anything about Jimi Hendrix, man, he lost his life, just a, 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 a life of drugs and stuff, and super talented, but man, he threw it all away. So we are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Isn't that awesome? That's powerful, isn't it? So what, what if we went through life? What if God could, could transform our thinking? If he were to change our thinking to where our mentality is not that we have to have stuff, that we have to have stuff, but, you know, and it doesn't have to be the best circumstances, but we can have everything. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can have everything that God intends for us, no matter what we're going through. What, what if God could change the way that you think? And here's the thing, He can, if we'll allow Him to transform our thinking. Look at what it says here in James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? For great joy. 
So whenever troubles come your way, when, you know, the world seems to be going out of control, you know, here's the thing. It's a great opportunity for joy. Great opportunity for joy. And I hope you guys realize that today, that, you know what, you, you look around, you go, man, the world has gone crazy. But here's the thing. It's a great opportunity for joy to go, you know what, God, you've got this. God, you've got me. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. What that means is you will be mature. You'll understand, you know what, there's going to be chaos in the world. There's going to be people that, you know, will, will have all kinds of struggles that they're going through. And, man, there's going to be people that will think, hey, it's, it's, the world is caving in. But you will be able to walk by faith. You'll be mature in your faith. Look at this next one here. Joy is not based on possessions. That one was joy is not based on my circumstances. But joy is not based on possessions. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. In other words, learning to be content with what we have. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we, could take, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. I mean, listen to what, what, what he's saying there. He's telling Timothy, he has, listen, man, we can't take anything with us, and we spend all of our life trying to accumulate stuff that we have to leave behind. We spend all, we spend all of our days working on a, a retirement, you know, and we hope that we're going to be able to retire one day and do, I guess, nothing or either do whatever we want to. And I know some of you guys go, hey, wait, wait, he's done going to meddling now. But I'm just saying, whenever you get to that point, what are you going to do with your time? Because God still has a call on your life. God still wants you to be on mission. God still wants you to be engaged. God wants you to be involved. He wants you to be out there sharing hope with the world. That's part of what we're supposed to do. So retirement just frees you up to be, do, be able to do more ministry. But here's the thing is too often we get focused on accumulating the stuff, not so that we can do ministry, just so that we can say we got stuff. And so we have all these possessions, and like I said, I've joked about this many times, we, we rent play, we rent more space to put our stuff in, and we have more stuff than we even know what to do with, and, but we don't want to give it away because we want to make sure that we've got it all for us in case we need it. You know, I, I grew up, my dad and a lot of my uncles and stuff like that grew up in the Depression, so back then you, you kept everything, and you kept anything and everything because you might need it one day. You might have to turn it into something else, and so... You know, coffee cans. You, they would buy Maxwell House coffee. And so there were coffee cans everywhere. Anybody keep, you know, been around somebody that kept coffee cans everywhere? Yeah. Anything. Mason jars. Anything. You were going to make sure that you kept that because you might need it one day. And, and my dad, man, his house was just, it was full of stuff. And, and we go, man, that's crazy. But here's the thing. Our houses are full of stuff too. It may not be Maxwell House coffee cans or Folgers coffee cans. But it's other stuff that we just, hey, we just need it. And we don't ever use it we got addicts that are about to cave in, and the roof, the ceilings of your house are probably about to fall in because you got so much stuff up there. And some of it, you're like, dude, I didn't even know we still had this. You know? I mean, it, it's just part of what we do. We, we, we try to meet this need. We try to make us happy. And so joy is not found in possessions. Let me read this one more time. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You know, Paul just got through talking about, man, we give away the riches. And if we're able to let people see that, you know what, having nothing is as rich as you can be sometimes. There's nothing wrong with owning stuff. The problem is when stuff owns you. You know, I've said that many times, and too often we allow. We, we some people will look at people who have great wealth and a lot of things, and they'll they'll want to run them down. And I'm just telling you, the Bible is filled with people who had plenty of stuff, 
Abraham, man, was like a Fortune 500 company. He had tons of stuff. We could go through from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end of Scripture. There are plenty of them who had great wealth. But here's the thing. They used it. They saw it as, hey, God has blessed me, so I've become a channel of blessing to others. And if we had that mentality, if we, you know, God, you have blessed me so I can bless others. You have given to me so I can give to others. God, you have blessed me in a, in a, in a ridiculous way. I don't even feel I deserve what I have. But, God, I know that you want me to make a difference in the lives of others. Then do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there, there are some people that are wealthy that, man, they line up with true godliness and contentment more than anybody. And you've got some people who are poor who don't line up with that at all. You know, and so you've got to say, you know what, you've got to be content no matter what your circumstance. And no matter how much money you make, we'll always tend to spend more money, right? You know, whenever you, you only brought in a little bit, you, you still thought, well, if I have more, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll manage it better. We often manage it the same. That's why the Bible says what you do with the little, you know, if you're faithful with that, I'll give you more. But if I can't trust you with, with, with what I've already given you, then I won't give you any more because you can't manage it. So the principle continues to carry on. So if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with a lot. And here's another one. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not by circumstances, not by possessions. There's, there's not a way to, hey, I can't just kind of will myself to do this. I'm going to make myself be joyful today. You can't do it. You, you, you might be sitting here thinking, all right, I'm going I'm I'm to choose joy, and I'm going to think about joy, and I'm going to kind of will myself into that. You, you can't do it. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is only produced by the presence of God working in you, living in you. And so, joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says here in Romans. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, right? But living, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. And what Paul is saying here, he's, hey, listen, not only will you please God, but you will also make a difference in the lives of the people around you. He says, for the kingdom of God, and so if we are kingdom-minded, and I love it when churches are kingdom-minded. In other words, it's about the kingdom of God, not about one, one building, one church, one gathering. But it's about the kingdom of God. When Christians have that mentality, and we pray for other churches, and we pray for one another, and we pray for missions, and we pray for different organizations, and we pray for each other, then here's the thing, we have a kingdom mindset. It's not about, you know, trying to go, you know, I don't like the way they do things and I don't like the way they do things. But we go, you know what, as long as the gospel is presented, the word of God is taught, you know what, then we are about the kingdom. And so we have to be kingdom minded. And so here, here, here Paul is saying, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. It's not about stuff. It's about something higher than that. It's about something greater than that. And, and then he, he says this, he says, he says, it's not about what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are three of what? Of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's whenever we live in alignment. It's whenever we live in submission. It's whenever we live in, in, in surrender to the Holy Spirit that we're allowing the presence of God to lead and guide us. You know, we say, God, I want, I want to be led by your Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. Who in here doesn't want to please God? I do. I mean, I want to please God. And, and others will approve of you too. If we have the fruits of the spirit in our life if we submit and surrender to the holy spirit daily and i think sometimes what we do is we start thinking all right the holy spirit that just kind of sounds a little bit out there it's not it's the presence of god in you we have a trinity we have a triune god 
We have God the Father, you know, Christ the Son, and then we have the Holy Spirit whom God sends to, to dwell within the believer, to counsel us, to comfort us, to teach us, and to walk with us whenever we're going through trials and tribulations. And so the joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not something I can just work up, but it's my time submitting, surrendering, and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. So let's kind of unpack happiness and enjoy a little bit. We've, we've kind of dove into what both of them are. We kind of, we have seen a little bit of the differences, but here's the thing. Happiness is a feeling driven by the temporary fix. Happiness is a feeling. You know, and I tell people all the time, don't base your, your walk with Christ on feelings because your feelings will ebb and flow. Our emotions ebb and flow. You know, we joke about, you know, Snickers commercials getting hangry. Any guys in here get hangry? You know, I mean, you don't eat, you know, you want to claw the dash up, you know, you want to, you know, you want to bite people's heads off, you're a bear. And uh, there's a lot of truth in that Snickers commercial, you know. Uh, so, so here's the thing is, is oftentimes our feelings are based on how we feel. You know, those run together, I don't know if y'all figured it out, but our feelings are based on how we feel. We feel hungry, it's, we're different. We feel satisfied, we're different. And so it just kind of ebbs and flows up and down, and then it's all over the place. So we don't base our life on feelings, it's faith. God is moved by faith. God responds to faith. God blesses faith. And too often what we do is we, we're focused on our feelings. I don't feel like they like me. Well, you're not basing that on anything other than what you think. And you may have, your receptors may be messed up. You know, you look at someone, they look at you a certain way, you go, they don't like me. I don't feel like they like me. Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you find out? Maybe, you know, it's just a, a perception thing. Maybe you got a perception issue. You know, and maybe, hey, you're all doom and gloom, and maybe they're really, they really like you. You know, she's a snob. She's snooty. You know, maybe she's an introvert. You know, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're reading it wrong. And so here's the thing is oftentimes we base everything on feelings, and happiness is a feeling driven by the temporary fix. It's, it's almost like a druggie. And some of you guys in here, man, you're happiness druggies, man. You're just needing the next fix. You're always trying to find something to make you happy rather than to say, you know what, God, I want to walk by faith. God, I want to live by faith. God, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to submit and surrender to the, to the leading, to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And so here's the thing. God is all about eternal things. Well, I missed one here. Joy is a mindset empowered and produced by the Holy Spirit. So joy is a mindset. In other words, it's a change of thinking. If we go back to Romans chapter 12 where it says God, you know, God can transform the way that we think. And so God changes the way that we think. So there are things that I can remember as, as growing up as a kid that I thought a certain way. When I became a believer at the age of 19, I put my faith in Christ. I began to read God's word differently. I had read God's word before that. But the Bible says that the things of God are foolishness to the common man. And to the common man is the guy that does not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living within him. And so there were times that I would read the Bible that whenever I became a follower of Christ, when I became filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to read the Bible differently. The things of God began to come to life to me. And I began to see it in a whole new light. And I was like, God, I mean, how did I miss this? And let me just say this. Even today, there are times I'll read a passage, and that passage I've read a thousand times the Holy Spirit will teach me something new out of that passage today. Because the Word of God is active. It's alive. It's powerful. And so, so joy is a mindset. It's choosing to think a certain way because of the work of the Holy Spirit changing and transforming the way that you think. And so joy is a mindset empowered and produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not something we can get a quick fix on. 
it's allowing the Holy Spirit to, to literally bring it to birth in our, in our minds. So here's the next thing. God is all about eternal things, not temporal things. So God is all about eternal things. Today, I can promise you this. God, you know, we, we think, hey, well, God wants me happy. No, God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be in right standing with him. God wants you to be godly. God wants you to be righteous. God wants you to be obedient. There's a lot of things that we could talk about today, but he also wants you to be joyful. Joyful in all circumstances. He wants you to do a lot of things. And, and, and so when we look at that, God is about eternal things, those things that will last forever. You know, we, we, we kind of jokingly do this, but we always talk about as a staff at times, you know, we we'll say, hey, listen, man, you know, just remember, eternity hangs in the balance. Now, here's the thing. We serve a sovereign God, but I believe that everything that we do, we should try to do it with excellence. God is honored in excellence. You know, whenever we go back to the Old Testament, it isn't saying, hey, bring whatever you got. You brought your best. And so if you're going to work, you know, tomorrow, hey, you bring your best. If you're going to do something, you give your best. And it's not what somebody else's best is. It's what your best is. Because you're the one that's responsible for bringing that offering to the Lord. Your life is an offering to God. You say, God, I want to bring my best today. I want to be the best that I can be for you, not for me. Not so that everybody will pat me on the back and say, man, you're the best. But, God, you have blessed me, and, God, I want to be the best I can be for you. So God is all about eternal things. And here's the thing. We're more focused on temporal things. We. See, the spirit of the living God living within us has a tendency to focus on the eternal things, those things that last forever, those things that will make a difference in the lives of people, and we have a tendency as humans, because of the flesh that hangs on our bodies, is that we tend to focus on the temporal. God says, hey, focus on the eternal. We focus on the temporal, those things that are temporary. And so the Bible says, hey, I'll set my mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. That's a passage we ought to claim probably every day. Because we get fixated, we get focused on the presence, you know, on the, on the temporal things, where God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to focus on the eternal things. And so look, let's look at this. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. God placed his Holy Spirit inside of you so that you can have more than just happiness. I think there's some of us in the room, we want to be happy. We really do. You know, we want, a, we want a happy face. We want a smiley face. But God has put the Holy Spirit in you to give you more than just happiness. Happiness is what the world is constantly selling. Happiness is constantly trying to get you to buy into something. But God is saying, hey, listen, I've got something more for you than just happiness. So God has placed his Holy Spirit inside of us to work that. So the Holy Spirit is the presence of God living in you. Don't miss that. It's that simple. It's that great, though. It's that simple, but it's that great. It is the presence of a holy God living inside of you. If everybody would, just take a second. I just want you to just kind of touch your, your chest like this. Just touch, touch your chest like this and say, God says that his presence, that the Holy Spirit is placed within me. And, and whenever the Bible talks about the heart you know, a lot of us think, oh, it's in there where the, you know, the blood's pumping. No, it's your soul. It's the very core of who you are. It's the center of your being. That the presence of a holy God is right there. If we have put our faith in Christ, if we have received his son, Jesus Christ, for salvation, if we have received the gift of eternal life, then the Holy Spirit lives right here. And here's the thing. He wants to work his way out through us, through our actions, through our words, and through our deeds. And so the presence of a of, of God living in you. The Holy Spirit is the source of joy. We've already covered that. It's, it's, if you want joy, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to just work in you, to train you, to equip you, to teach you, to comfort you, to counsel you. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to work his, do His work inside of you. And the Holy, Holy Spirit produces what we really need anyway. What we need 
is this list here that God gives us in Galatians. And listen to what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Who in here doesn't want to be loved? Man, we all want to be loved. With a love that comes from God, not a, not a manipulated love, not a selfish love, you know, not an abusive love. But I'm talking about a love that comes from God, a holy God. And so the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy. There's joy. God, the Holy Spirit produces that. The living presence of God inside of me produces that joy. I can't work it up, can't make it happen. And even peace. Peace. This world needs peace right now as much as any time I've ever seen it. It needs peace. It needs to know that you know what God is in control. God still has this. God loves me. God cares about me. It's produced by me leaning into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit producing this fruit in my life. Patience. Patience. You know, most of us in this room, we don't really like patience. It's one of the fruits that's probably the most, the biggest struggle. Because a lot of us are impatient and we think that's okay. I'm one of those people, I want things done yesterday. You know, I mean, that's just the way I work. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, hey, I want, but that's not okay. I've got to learn to be patient, to be patient. What we're going through, maybe, uh, you know, one of these things where we say, Holy Spirit, I need you to produce patience in me because I'm not being real patient right now. What about kindness? You know, kindness is produced by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Whenever we are kind to people, we care for people. And we see them with kind eyes. I won't ever forget my wife. She's worked as a nurse, you know, all of our marriage. And I remember Laurie telling me there was this gentleman that worked with her. She said, he's just the neatest guy. He's got smiling eyes, and they're just filled with kindness. You ever seen somebody like that where you can just look into their eyes and you see kindness? What you're, you're doing is you're looking into the Holy Spirit at work in someone. they got kindness eyes. they got kind eyes. They're not mean-spirited. They're kind. Goodness. Man, goodness, they're focused on the things that are good, the things that last forever. They're focused on doing good to people and doing good for people. They're focused on the kingdom of God. They're faithful. There's faithfulness. Now, I just want to commend you guys for your faithfulness. That God is at work. You know, we gather together as the body of Christ. You know, and, and the Bible says not to forsake that, but to be faithful. Faithful to the teaching of God's word. Faithful to follow Christ. Faithful to do what we have been called to do. Gentleness. You know, to be gentle. To be kind. Be gentle. But gentleness is, is one of those things where people can see that, you know what, he cares. It's like a shepherd caring for his sheep. And then this last one here is self-control. It's one that we, every believer, needs to to just ask the Holy Spirit, hey, help me to be self-controlled. That I'm not responding to the temporary. I'm not responding to the feelings, but I'm staying focused and, and there's self-control. It says there's no law against these things. There's no law against these things. Man, you can have all of these things. And here's the thing, this is what every person in this room needs, is the fruit of the Spirit. So look at this last, last part here. It says joy allows you to smile in the middle of a storm or in the middle of a pandemic. You know, we're in the middle of something that the world is, is man, it's a pandemic. It's a, it's a bad time. You know, but here's what I would say. We can smile, and that smile is not laughing or scoffing, but that smile is going, you know what? My God is bigger. My God is faithful. You know, and, and if, if God, if, if I die serving your people, then God, I die serving your people. God, if, if, if you want me to be a part of something, God, I want to be wise. I want to do everything that I can to follow the guidelines that will help me to be safe and to help other people be safe. God, I want to do those things. But, God, I want to be faithful. And, God, I don't want to live in fear. God, I want to walk in truth. And I want to live as a faithful follower of Christ. And so we've got to be willing to do that. Look at what it says in First Thessalonians. Always be joyful. Always. 
Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Everybody in this room ought to be praying for what our nation is going through. You know, as I drove here this morning, I was praying, and I really began to just confess to God, I want to ask you to forgive me, God, if I have not been praying like I should, if I have not been praying feverishly and fervently as I should, God, I want to ask you to forgive me for that. But every one of us ought to never stop praying. But, man, we're praying for people. We're praying for for our leaders. We're praying for for this to move past quickly. We're we're praying for God to, to get us through this and for people to turn to God like never before. This could be one of the greatest opportunities for the gospel. A lot of people say, well, you know, Mike, you're not going to be able to gather. The Internet, you know, you got, you got online services that people are watching today. You know, our, this service is being recorded. As soon as, it's, as soon as it is done, they'll be putting it online for other people that may not be able to be here. Like our senior adults who we, we encourage them to stay home today. You know, and to listen. Hey, listen, you take care of you. We want to do whatever we can to serve you, but let us know what that might be. And so I would just say to you guys, man, we've got to be, we've got to never stop praying. And it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how crazy and chaotic the world may seem, we're to be thankful that God has put us here for this time and for this season. Be thankful as a church. And so I, I jotted down just a couple of things here, and I wanted to kind of share these with you. So we often wonder, hey, well, God wants me to be happy. It's not happiness. But I want to share these quick things here. God wants us to accept his, his offer of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Would you all agree with that? That's what God wants for us. God wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So for those that have put our faith in Christ, he wants us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who Christ is and how he is at work and how this Holy Spirit works in me and through me. And so God wants us to grow in our, na- our, our, knowledge, our grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. God wants us to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit daily. He, he wants us to walk in step in unison with the Spirit. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. And so that, that faith is going, God, I trust you. God, I lean into you. God, I'm going to follow you. God wants us to, to be a light in a dark world. We have a lot of darkness going on. And we need to be that light. And we need to offer hope. And we need to be on mission. That's the last one. God wants us to be on mission. Man, this is an opportunity to share the gospel. This is an opportunity to share hope. I asked a guy this past week. We were talking, we had a mutual friend, and I hadn't been able to get this conversation out of my mind, and I said, hey, listen, man, I said, do you guys have a church home? He goes, no, no, <laughs> no. You know, and, and I, we didn't unpack it there. We were at a ball game, but in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, right, is he an atheist? Does he think that you know, being a, a believer or the church is, is the most crazy thing in the world? But my thing is, is I wonder about his soul. If he breathes his last, where will he go? And so every since I've heard that, no, uh, uh-uh, like, no, no, not me. You know, I want to know, hey, man, what's, what's going on there? And I want to be on mission to where I get to share with him and ask him just a few questions. And here's the thing. I may not lead him to Christ, but at least I want to plant a few seeds because I want to be on mission. And I, I want to be able to, you know, maybe answer some questions maybe that he has. And if nothing else, I want him to know, you know what, that I love him and I care about him. And I care about the condition of his soul. So God wants us to be on mission. And there's a lot of people right now that are living in fear. And anytime there's major change, people are more open to the gospel. They have a baby. They're more open to the gospel. They move to a new town. They're more open to the gospel. They lose their job. They're more open to the gospel. They, they go through a pandemic. They're more open to the gospel. And so it's an incredible opportunity for the church to be the church and to be the hands and feet of Christ and to share hope. So here's some next steps for me today. Number one, realize that God wants 
more for me. I hope you understand that today, that God wants more for you than just happiness. He wants more for you. Allow God to change my thinking that will change my focus. Allow God to transform my mind. And here's the thing, that's a submit and surrender. Thing. God, I want you to change the way that I think. God, just change my heart, change my mind. And he's going to do that with, the, with his word. And then the last one here is receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Receive God's gift of salvation, of eternal life, that only comes through placing my faith in Christ and Christ alone. I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And you just respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. But my prayer is that every one of us walk out of here today going, God, I'm not worried about happiness, but I want to be filled with joy. And I want my face to show it. I want people to look at me and see a smile on my face. And it's not fake and it's not artificial, but they know that I am filled with Christ. They know that I have the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And they see the kindness in my eyes. They see the service in my, in my touch. God, they see that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to minister to their needs. They see that I care about them. They see that I love them. And maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never received the gift of eternal life. I want to give you that opportunity. So right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I want to ask you, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you forgive me of the sins that I've committed? His answer is yes. You might say, well, Mike, I've got lots of sins I've committed. He knows every one of them. And he'll forgive every one of them, past, present, and future. And so today, if that is your prayer, say, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. I want, to, I want to ask you if you would to save me. Jesus, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? His answer is yes. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And Jesus, I want to turn to you. And so, God, will you change the way that I think as I read your word? His answer is yes. Holy Spirit, will you produce these fruits in me? His answer is yes as we submit and surrender to him daily. And so if you just prayed that prayer, if you ask Christ to come into your life, then we would love to be able to celebrate with you. We'd love to be able to share that. And I would encourage you to follow Christ in Believer's Baptism and begin to take those steps to follow Him in obedience. But if you just ask Christ to come into your life, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, if you would, would you just raise your hand? Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. Say, Mike, I just prayed with you. I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. I don't see any hands, but that tells me there's a lot of believers in the room. And let me ask you as believers, man, are the fruits of the Spirit evident in your life? Keep in mind, God's not, God's not all about making you happy, but He does want to see you filled with joy. So let's pray that God would use us this week as a witness, as we're on mission, as we offer hope to a hopeless-seeming world. Father, I thank You for today. God, I thank You for the people that are watching online. God, I pray that You'd bless them. God, I pray that today we would realize how important it is, God, that we submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit. That no matter what tragedy, no matter what trial we go through, just like Paul and the disciples, God, that we would be able to walk in faith. God, that we would literally be able to have joy in the midst of the worst of circumstances. God, I pray that you would be with our leaders as they try to find a cure. Lord, Father, as they try to find whatever it might be. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray for the researchers. God, I pray for, I pray for peace to fall on our community and I pray for peace to fall in our country. So God, we just pray that you would use us. Use us as a vessel of hope this week. Show us whom we might be able to serve and care for. But God, help us to be wise. Help us to follow every precaution. And God, just, just to do what we have learned to do. 
that helps with the situation. But God, we're yours, and we want to be on mission. In Jesus' name.